0: Create Out Loud is brought to you by Anchor.fm. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast so you can, yes, create out loud. It's free. They give you tools so you can record easily on your phone or your computer. They'll distribute the podcast for you. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started. Because, yeah, I want you to create out loud. How do you create out loud when you're not happy? When do you need to create out loud to find your joy, to find your truth, to find your meaning again? Oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite all-time questions since I was little. Creating happiness, truth, joy, meaning, they're all so deeply interrelated. And yet, how often is life not going the way we want? We're stressed, or things are falling apart, or we've got too much work on our plate. What do we do then, especially when life really falls apart? That's why I had Grace Harry on. From the outside in her old life, it was glamorous, top music executive at Def Jam Records, Mary De Usher, super powerful, successful, beautiful woman. Like the kind of person we easily look at and go, oh, of course it's easy for you to create out loud. Look at, look what you're doing. And she wasn't happy. And when it all fell apart, and this is what is so juicy about this conversation you're about to listen to. She did things really differently than she had in the past. How many of us have our lives fall apart sometimes really dramatically, sometimes just in one part of our lives, and then we just go, okay, freaking out, freaking out, freaking out, let me go and do what's familiar instead of what is calling me or stay in the messy unknown as much as I can while taking care of myself and figure out what's really next. And that's what Grace Harry did. Grace Harry is now, are you ready? She's a joy strategist, which sounds so, I don't know, kind of silly, but dig this, it's anything but... So come on in. I think you're going to find this. Um, I think it's going to stir you up a lot. I can't wait to hear what you think. One of the things I find fascinating about your story is there's this whole amazing high powered career and then there's a switch to being a joy strategist. Like, how cool is that? I just tell you, it makes my whole body go like a little, like one of my little dogs downstairs. <laughs> I love that. But was there a why bother moment? Like a moment when things felt like, oh,
1: that yes. led you to this this big change? Absolutely. Um, well, first I'm, I'm someone who loves big change and it's really important to dive into your own loops in an inner dialogue because you'll see that sometimes behavior that seems to be the negative behavior. For me, the, the, the quit, the back off, the runaway is my was my MO. So it was much easier for me to make a big change and address everything top down then to get into the minutia and really have to feel my part of things. So all of a sudden, what I noticed was, you know, there's a pattern here. This is, I'm, I'm looking at my third divorce and my good friend, Julia Khan, I remember her saying at my first divorce, you have to feel it to heal it. And how much I wasn't willing to slow down enough. And, you know, I treated it like everything in my life. I'm like, oh, okay, issue, how do I do with this? Tie it up in a bow, make a plan, you know, like move forward. And so I'm looking at my impending third you know, major relationship ending and what that means. So do I go back and into a career that was, was for all intents and purposes successful, but I wasn't happy. And so then being a you know, curious, curious, contrarian human being or whatever I am, um, <laughs> I started to deep dive into that. What is happy? Right. So I, I approach it like I approach everything else in life, which is a very methodical, business approach to everything, like make a list and a checklist and who do you know in that space? And so as I was you know, starting to loop and my loop is an issue happens, then it's what was me, then no one has my back. I'm all alone. It's always me and blah, 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 blah. So as soon as I start to hear my loop, I'm like, information. So I started to hear it, imposter syndrome and all that. And li- living in lives and in dreams and in careers that are not our own, is because we haven't learned how to dream, and we haven't learned how to connect our day to day to our dream. So I realized at that moment I hadn't dreamed. I was, I was, I'm a recovering fear of rejection, I people pleaser, so I learned early on that I wanted to be wanted. You know, I had a, a very young survival trauma situation early that really taught me that that um being wanted was the number one commodity. So I, being a smart pre-verbal person created a a plan of being wanted and worked really hard in a family of people who had to figure it out to take care of everybody else. And that became what I believe was my love language. So now I see a destiny where I'm living another person's life. So I just started out on that journey. When was the last time I really felt in joy, as Patty Penn says, inside joy, not enjoying like a spectator, but being in joy. And I had to reach back a long way back to really connect to the feeling of, being 11 and being on the you know swings that was my personal brand and the freedom of that and the the space of 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 touching something infinite i loved that and i could feel my heart opening and expanding and immediately was like i'm gonna go follow that trail so rabbit holing that (laughs) long winding answer to your question it wasn't a um it wasn't a a why bother because i've never had that which is why i went there like i'm always that person of what's next what else can I do? But it was, oh, I can see where this is going to go. There, when you talked about
0: the fact that before, before this place that you're in now, you would, you would just sort of leap to what's next. You would leap, like, hey, that's it. We're done with that. We're going on. And this you did differently. And I want to call that out for everyone because I think that is crucial. Thank you we can love change or we can hate change or whatever our story is, but there's a different way we have to change to get to where you're talking about. And I know it in my life from the, the shit show passage that I went through. And I I just love, I mean, it just gives me chills that you talk to it because not that many people can, can, can um, verbalize that, Oh, I didn't just skip over it. I didn't make the plan. I didn't make the list.
1: I didn't run away. I did something different. And it sounded like it, t- it took a while. It took a while. And and the reason I went into Joy Strategy is because that process of it taking a while showed me all the ways I was really good at talking about my pain. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> I got so sexy at being <laughs> evolved on TV. and 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 that was really what it was. It's like, yeah, we... The devil, you know, expression, right? The things that go wrong—that is part of certainty. We know how to handle, and we—internet is 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 amazing. We have so much more access to information at our fingertips, but that just sometimes gets us to the place where we decide, oh, I'm gonna self, I'm gonna self um, diagnose. Oh, I'm this and I'm that, and that's why. And it's the same as uh, you know, people say I'm triggered now because that's a new word. But it makes me triggered that word because. People think that you could be triggered and you sit there, but when you are hungry, you don't have a declaration. I am hungry and then do nothing. So, so the triggered just in the same way, hunger is, is that alarm for you to take an action. So is triggered. So I did the same thing. I read all these books. I went to Burning Man. I had all these things and I cleaned things up and then you know, as Ram Dass says, after however many years of meditating, you go back with your family of origin for five minutes. You go to and- Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's where I really started that work. And I went to Joy Strategy because when you go to play and pleasure and joy, well, that's where the real information starts to come up. And you start to hear the other voices of the, you know, the well-meaning parents and aunts and teachers with all the language that keeps you from doing the things that, that, that are your dream because then what comes in selfish this or that it's really just rebranding the way we think of things. There are certain things in life. We know our work, right? If you want to have a tattoo, that's going to hurt. And we just, we roll up our sleeves and we draw. If you're going to have a baby, you have to push that baby out. And that it also includes a new business. You're, ma- you're making a baby and that's tireless work that we mm-hmm. sign up for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So why? And you want to fix your body? Whether you do it naturally with a personal trainer or you go get some nips and tucks, it's still pain and recovery. But yet when it comes to our emotions and our heart, and big change is part of our heart because you have to jump out and have a leap of faith, we are so traumatized from the, the patterns and stories we created in our survival young years that maybe well-meaning adults couldn't catch that it, it, it signals such a loud stop, turn around, back up, because the pain we, deci- we decided in the truth, in the confrontation, in the taking a new step, is often so mired in other people's beliefs of us, in being a good person, a bad person, you know what I'm
0: saying? So have you been in that place that Grace is talking about when she would loop back and just jump ahead and try to figure things out and not be in the messy inside? I just think that is crucial. So years ago, I spent many years writing a memoir four years, 500 pages that totally failed as a work of literature. Eventually it became my last book, Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next. But here's the thing that came out of writing the hundreds and hundreds of pages that didn't work, was I really saw over and over again the exact same pattern in my life. Something needed to change. Something needed to be felt. It needed to be excavated. And I didn't want to do it. I would do it part of the way. I would do it some of the way, but I wouldn't do it all the way. And over and over again, I got stuck. I kept going back, looping back, as Grace says, to the same issues and the same dissatisfaction, which would only cause more, why bother, down the road. Now, I know this is a really privileged position. A lot of us in the world, most of us, can't do this work. But if you can, then you do it for everyone around you, everyone in your community, your family, your workplace. You are serving a larger purpose when you take the time to go into this messy, liminal space and not try to second guess it, not try to figure it out, not try to make the plan, not try to use your mind. Yeah, I think we're afraid of the feeling in our body of joy and pleasure. I think it really sometimes comes down to a a real embodied fear, whether we've learned it from church growing up, or as you said, aunts, moms, why should I get to have that when they didn't? I mean, there's so many stories that we all carry. And I have to say, I just think you're an incredibly brave person. In 1992, I wrote a book with full of ideas for self-care, and I was so scared to teach them in person. I was not scared to write about them or talk about them, you know, on television or something like that, but to get in the room with people. So where does that courage come from from you? Because joy, you're
1: leading people right into that scary embodied place. It's back to that thing, which you're talking about is the words, right? Scary. Who mm. said? Mm-hmm. Who decided these things? Who decided that a nipple is more erotic than an elbow? Who decided that your shirt is a rose gold? So in the same way that we've seen the last two years alone, that rules can be changed. Words can, think of the words we have in our, there's a wonderful street that we're, that intersects Christopher Street that has a name that at one point meant joy. And, you know, and you'd see in, in musicals in the twenties and thirties and people would use this word and now it has a different word. Or even the rainbow was the symbol for the black movement with from Jesse Jackson I and mean, lots mm-hmm. of people. And now it has a different connotation. So we have to stop, looking at these words in that way. If we both walked up to a roller coaster. if you hate them and I love them, we're both feeling intense emotion, but they have different words and perspective based on our ideas of things. What is really the driver of that, back to the imposter syndrome and all that? It's when we're little and we are free to dress up and put on a different outfit and a cape. And if someone comes over to play, if you came to my house and I wanted to play with puzzles and you didn't, we might have a big fight mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm I'm committed to my truth. I'm committed to what I believe is the truth of me. But when we start to have to performatively love to get love in return, we believe, from the people in our lives, we, st- we start to feel inauthentic because we're no longer listening to our own energy. P.S. We're now all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. I feel this, but that person, if I do what they say, I'll get the love and I'll stay out of trouble. So let me just do that. So mm-hmm. we, we start to learn to not listen to ourselves.
0: I think this is so important i just want to pause here one more time and bring you into your own body is it okay to feel pleasure and joy are certain kinds of pleasure and joy cool and other kinds trigger stories stories from family stories from culture stories from i don't have time that's selfish i don't think this is ever something we're finished with it's not about self-improvement ever but it is about curiosity I'm with Grace. I think joy and pleasure and all of its cousins and manifestations are a powerful vehicle to come into the present moment and to live more fully, more robustly, and to really embrace who we are moment by moment. Not in a oh take it or leave it way, but in a in a way that Grace is gonna dive into really beautifully. Let's go back to the interview.
1: But that envelopes into imposter syndrome, fear of rejection. Basically, caring more what you think than what I think, making you the star of my story and not me. So yes, was there fear? I mean, one of the things that the Lauren Zennan made me do is go back to clean up any lies I told in my lifetime to anyone that still I have a story around that makes me have pain on any level. The, the, even the idea of going up to those conversations was nerve wracking. I made mm-hmm. myself physically- My heart's beating
0: fast just thinking right.
1: about it. <laughs> but it's actually beautiful. And once I really went through them, their stories of me and the version of this massive, horrible thing that I had to tell were so much more minuscule in them versus what they got out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So so we create these stories and then we hold ourselves in, in imprisonment of the things we say we want, but we don't really want to go for them for the fear of not being loved, not being included. You know, We don't even speak from our hearts anymore. I, you don't say, Grace, you, know, you were two minutes late in the show and I felt really disrespected by that and it hurt my feelings. Oh, so my I didn't. Day. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, yeah. right. But that's actually a fair conversation, but we're terrified sure. of that. But you know what I'm saying? So we think we're not communicating, but there's nothing sexier about that raw communication because mm-hmm. it lets you know where well, you stand with me right away. And it's safe. It's safe to be friends. It's safe to be mm-hmm. honest with me, starting with ourselves. So we have to start unearthing the ways we lie to ourselves. And then we really will know. And the, that information is there. How did I do it? I was like, okay, Grace, here are your choices, babe. You can do this. Or you can do this and which one is gonna feel better in the long game, the chess, not the checkers, the marathon, not the sprint. Being prepared to do the work because I know it's uncomfortable, but I know I'll see the results. I will have a a sexy heart because I've really done the work to like get her, you know, ready for battle.
0: I have discovered in the last year that my being nice confuses me in those difficult moments. And then I say things that later, maybe after the conversation is over at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, I'm like, what? Now I'm so dug in because this other person thinks this whole thing and I wasn't lying on purpose. I was just trying to be nice. And now I can't make it right
1: because I've just created this whole kitten caboodle. So we could eradicate nice and fine as two words. Um, (laughs) Number nice, fine, and great. Like, Nice I mean, nice, fine, and good. Nice, fine, and good. Yeah. Take them and should and can and don't and want. Let's have a, like a funeral for them. Let's bury them. This is why I go to make yourself your own lover. Because when we have to focus on ourselves, we don't have time to wash our hair, or to clean the house. or to, But when we have a new lover or even some a great friend that we really respect, all of a sudden we'll have energy, clean the house, we'll do our hair. We'll be, Shave so, our legs and the right? winder. <laughs> Hello. So, but, but, but that thought of making you the star of your own story, treating yourself like your own lover or your number one client or your best friend, then you see your, your inner dialogue changes with yourself. Because mm-hmm. now instead of being like, Grace, you idiot, why did you blah, 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 blah. Or yesterday I walked into the bathroom, went in the mirror and I was like, wow, you've gained some weight. And then I was like, oh, you know what, Grace? Thank you so much for taking so much extra support for yourself during this difficult time.
0: Yeah, I like that reframe. I like that reframe of looking in the mirror. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago about the hard work of building a business. And I know that listeners are thinking, how is she building a business as a joy strategist? Yes.
1: So how much, you know, could you tell us about what that process is like for you? For me, everything with me is, I get so excited about something, I want to share it with everyone because I, I just want to get to the point in life where we're all just playing and having fun. So I, my intention was more to kind of do the work And I had to figure out a words that stuck in my mind. So strategy, I can do that. Joy, that's your birthright. So I'm not having to learn anything new. I can do that. So that's how I got to that concept. But how do you make a business out of it? Anything that you love, that you're passionate about, that you feel is your magic, if you can illuminate that and be an example, your best product, your best concept of who you are, then there's very little work to do because then people are coming knocking at your door. The work for me around this was the strategy. It was the concept of of what this is and does it work and can I teach it. For me, it started out just practicing on myself. I became my own crash test dummy and just started to figure out and see what worked for me and what didn't work. You know, I was going through a divorce, a city change, a new uh, my my baby sister is having a baby. Like everything was happening at once, and so I did a lot of stuff like that and set up timelines, markers for myself ideas around that. And I want to say that anything is your passion can happen in this way, right? It's bespoke because this goes back to really getting to the root of your dream. You could do joy strategy in different ways, but for me, it was essential that it went through play because to me, play is an essential tool for transformation because it's where it unearths not only patterns that we have to change, but also where we have to lean more into joy and pleasure when we can start to see how much we don't really make ourselves juicy in our lives. And so what I did was when I started to realize things that were working for me, I started to go out. And the first thing I did was I did some free things with just groups of friends. I was leading these things called hooky day just to see, because I wanted feedback. And I think a big thing with building a business is people don't give themselves enough time for exploration. Mm-hmm. If you're a scientist or other things you have, you built into your, your plan, lab time, but we need that with everything. So I needed joy lab time. So I really worked on myself and other people, and then and people started coming to me and wanting Further assistance in breaking that down. Then I started having private clients, and then doing groups because one of the things I noticed, and that's what I'm saying this because it has to keep evolving as mm-hmm. your business. And, and I think giving yourself permission, I, I find a lot of new founders. I work with founders and you know entrepreneurs, early entrepreneurs, and there's a lot of judgment and beating yourself up for pivoting. But the pivot is key. You know what I set out even in the book I'm writing now is is the same topic, but a very different way in. And that was part of my own work, my own clinical trials, my own studies around this. And that's really important. And then to started to realize, okay, great. I got the joy down in the morning, but then I'm out in a real world situation on the Zoom or something. And then I all of a sudden tricked and want to deal with it. Okay, so I need joy snacks. If I went out for a whole day and I was hungry somewhere, I'd be taking little morsels of things, but we're not taught that. We're taught early to get dressed so we're not naked, to eat so we're not starving. But joy is just as essential. Joy
0: snacks. What are yours going to be? Look around. What are the things that you just naturally turn to for joy? Ask yourself, what are the things I tell myself I never have time for? (laughs) What are the things that you can put in your environment, like coloring books or collaging supplies? I've done that in my office many times. Are there little things you can carry with you when you're out and about in the world that fit into your purse or your car or whatever? What will remind you? What will facilitate your joy? I find that I need visual reminders. I need things out a lot. And I need to mix them up, otherwise I stop seeing them. Maybe by the side of your bed so you have a joy snack before sleep. Or first thing when you wake up in the morning. I know one of the things that Grace talks about is don't start the day with your phone. And it's so hard because our technology is so addictive. So I put my phone either in the bathroom or outside the bedroom. Now for some of us who have young kids or a sick parent or something, we can't do that. But we can put it far enough away from our bed with the sound on that our instinct isn't just to reach for it without thinking and then get sucked into email instagram whatever the news so what could you put there next to your bed for the first thing in the morning what if you started your day with five minutes of a joy snack and ended your day i'm really intrigued
1: with this idea i'm gonna try it it, it affects your mental health, how you deal with other people, the light you illuminate, the permission mm-hmm. you give other people to reach for higher. I have to be my own. I, I don't want to be the wounded healer. So none of us. So I, I want to I connect to my own humanity divinity and continue to share that in the ways that work for me and get other people to rise around that and figure out theirs. And to get to answer your actual question, there is a business there. There's a business of anything right now where you have an influence to help find people find their own connection to their source. And the way you do that is by creating community around it, doing some a lot of some free offerings in the beginning, and getting real feedback from people. Bartering is really important. People are terrified to barter. Ask all your friends. When I d- first started, I hated doing photo shoots. I, I'm used to being the number two. You know, I worked with millions of artists around the world as their you know their support in creation and connecting to their their fans and consumers and audience. Switching to that front row role was complicated. So I asked a friend of mine who is another creative director and a friend of mine who's a a makeup artist and a photographer if we could do a barter session, a photo play date. So I was comfortable with these people, which is why I chose them. They're part of my starting five. So I knew I could trust them. And I knew that they'd be on the same page about building something with me. And then I felt comfortable because, you know, as a people pleaser, I don't feel comfortable asking for help. So it was great because it immediately made me feel like I was doing something for them too. It was my own hack because then my friend could use the photos for his website. And, my, and it was great. We don't look into our own community. Do, you know, don't be overly precious. Really get out there, talk about it as much as you can. Mine was a new idea. And people did snicker at me, joy strategy. That's so goofy. And I got a lot of that. But the most important thing was because I was seeing the results of myself. So I want to go back for a second because you said you were used to being
0: number two, being behind all these famous artists and bringing, you know, I just can imagine both the creativity and the pressure of that. One of the things I see a lot of my students and clients struggle with is being seen. So they might have an idea and they're listening to everything you're saying and they're going, oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to have to be seen. Was there some work that you had to do or something that helped you make that transition from being the behind
1: person to being the front person? hundred percent. And it goes, back to, it goes back to what I was saying earlier around the real work for all of us is the words we use, whatever the words, imposter syndrome, insecure, embarrassed, shamed, you know, don't want, what do people think? That's all tied to the same thing, which is making your reality, somebody who doesn't pay your bills or live in your house or- Give you a happy ending they are more important than you if you're going to change your behavior for their opinion right or and hide that, what you hide your voice your ideas your impact right. your whatever it is whatever so it that is. was the work i had to do and you know frankly i had a little head up because being married to my last husband was very helpful because that was a i was a very private person before that and so people who are anonymous in this new world online can be really mean and hateful and I'm not taking it personal from their own realities, whatever they're dealing with. But it was really confronting at first because things weren't true or they were. And then when I got past that even, who cares? I don't even know these people, mm-hmm. right? And, and as my starting five, when my starting five comes to me, my own community starts says something with real loving, kind from their heart critique, I hear it. But people who I don't know, I send them love. If people have an opposing idea, I want to hear it. Let's teach each other. But how do we get out of that? By starting to release the belief that somebody else's idea for you can run your life. Don't um, let people run space in your head. What, oh, let's go through all the expressions. Pick one. Say it all day, every day as your mantra. Mm-hmm. Right? Whatever works what for you. It's yeah. not my business. That's a good one. Yeah. And then you don't care. Not and then my like, business. Your friends alone, you'd laugh in, you're silly, you're taking pictures. So you know you can do it. The difference is what they think versus what you think, and that's the work.
0: Yeah, I love that. My hobby is climate change activism. And I know that you've had a lot of activism in your life, a great sense of social responsibility, You know that you grew up with that. Do you work with activists? Do you find that different issues come up around their joy? Or do you find that with the clients that come to you, that climate anxiety is emerging for you to help them with?
1: Well, I I would say that if you are any version of a being that's living anywhere on this planet, you cannot ignore that climate change is impacting our lives in some way. And I'm really making it that dim- dim- diminished because there are people that really don't seem to get that.
0: There are a lot but of them. <laughs> I
1: really get and, and so when I, working with with any activist is this, I, I link it to, there's, there's a small group of people on the planet That are just all yes in one area. You know, people hot, like on fire with an idea, unwavering with an idea. Working with them is different because your conversations are really from M to Z because they've already, the people who are like that, who are on fire with something, they already have a discipline around that thing that's unwavering. So uh, that's really the difference with activists, world changers, influencers. People who are really dedicated to a bigger concept outside of themselves, it's just different work. It's its just massive. There's a lot of work on there on loneliness because when you're at a place like that and you have an idea that's new, there's not often a lot of times where you have places to download that, which is why I work on starting five communities of people, maybe people understand you need a team to win the game of life with, who are have the right positions for you, not just your friends, right? They could be your friends if they really are those people. So that's that work is really there to understand about how to also with, with activists, stars, superstars, influencers, that you're a vessel for a big idea. And so if whatever you believe around that, whether that's channeled, gifted, or ancestrally led, you know, we often, when you're in those positions, you have moments you're like, wow, that's an idea. Where did that come from? So there's a level of understanding and and holding space for that. So it's really more working with those people to bring in your teams, pull in support, don't Mm -hmm. run it all through your body, which creates a lot of breakdown. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a good advice for everyone but the work from there is from here there versus there's a lot of base work with people who haven't really dug into even those areas of 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 discipline in their lives
0: wow, I, I totally understand that that's very well said One of the things of being in this, personal growth space for nearly 30 years, is sometimes I get burned out talking about my work and being public, right? There's a consistency to being public to keep the business
1: side going. Does that ever happen for you? And does it steal your joy? So I think that if anything is stealing your joy, any moment that you're in the space, like, for example, I was vicious to my partner the last few weeks, like, whoa. (laughs) And so what is that? You know, It's having, back to that starting five, that community, I reached out to, you know, a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends, Lauren was like, oh, you need to up your dream. And so that's another big problem we have is that we all create a dream. I I see this a lot with, with recording artists, right? And actors and people in entertainment, directors, people who have this beginning singular dream that's outside of their reality and their world. And so they spend so much time manifesting that because they want it and they're hungry for it and they live it. And just like in Rocky, how he had to go back to Philadelphia and, you know, often we don't have a second dream or a third dream. So then you hear like sophomore album or the sophomore syndrome. That's because you've got to always keep dreaming. You have to, what's the next dream? Elon Musk apparently recently became whatever the, the world's richest person. And then they asked him, well, what's what's next or what are you going to do different? He was like back to work. And I'm, I'm sure I'm messing this quote up, but it's that idea that there's always more to create. Mm. Or as Guru Jagat says, when you're living in constant creation, you're always in your joy.
0: Ooh, up your dream. My whole body got excited about that. I know that I'm good at finishing things. What are you good at? Are you good at starting them? Are you good at the middle? So few of us are good at the middle of projects, right? Good at finishing. But are you good at letting yourself re-dream? Dream again. Have another dream have another dream. Are you allowed to are you allowed to have a different dream? Are you allowed to change and grow and have something you can't even imagine? Of course you are. Because it's not
1: about the accolades and the success. It's just this passion of like, you're on fire for it. You just love it. So when you get to, when I get to a place where a day, like I had one last week, you know that careful what you asked for, uh, I had two podcasts in that day, and then I had writing to do and my agents waiting for a rewrite, and I, I had a lot of stuff. And I felt a little wine wince happen in my inside my soul, and I was like, Oh, okay, what's up? Oh, okay, I ha- oh I, that day, two days in a row, I didn't do my dance party. I hadn't I hadn't done enough stuff to feel make me filled up, so I was snarky at having to give. So it really it comes back to that that does joy snacks and that joy goalie, and literally every day all day, back to you being the star of the story. So if you have you know two two uh, sessions right now back to back like you have then wires on your desk? I don't see a coloring book or bubbles, or like you need a moment, like do you have a little two song dance party playlist ready to go? So it's really, re- it's refilling, restoring. Cause when, we, when we're resentful of giving is when we're not giving to ourselves.
0: I got it, I got it. i preached it, but I love the way that you preach it. It makes me sit up and take notice. All right, right. two more questions. Is writing joyful for you? I work with a lot of writers. I get a lot of. Uh, I've
1: yeah. <laughs> How's the writing going? And what's that oh, process like? It whooped my ass. <laughs> it's okay? and it was funny because the process, it, the, the universe knows me right so well. So of course I did it the way I do all things. I'm going to do it six weeks. I timed it out. I found this lady. She writes your book for you. It was so clinical, and you've you now spent what this amount of time for me. You know I'm like a giant. 11-year-old. So nothing is clinical. I'm like, what? it was a disaster. Spent thousands of dollars. It was like a, and but more it was just, I, I, I didn't realize that a book is giving birth. And so I was approaching it like a business, like a client. I needed to live more. I needed to experience more. And there's no wrong timing. You know, it's, it, it's morphed into a place that I'm so proud of it and what it has to offer. And at first people were really pushing me to tell a different story. And I don't have I'm not, I don't, I'm just not a gossip person. I don't wish anyone any harm. I'm very clear with my ex-husbands and partners and lovers and friends and anyone that I've parted ways with in my life in any way. I'm very clear of what I learned, the love that was there, why it was shared and why it ended and happy to do that work forever around that. So um, yeah. I love it because one of the things
0: that I I see in working with people, whether it's for a month or for years, is that process of, of finding what is that actual story for that book. And sometimes it comes to you and, and you get really clear really easily. And other times you get, I've gotten 500 pages in and gone, whoops, <laughs> not it. So yeah. I love that you speak about that. Oh, I, I feel so filled with uh, bubbles from this conversation. It's delightful and definitely joyful, Grace. And I wanted to ask you one last question. What will you learn next?
1: Right now I'm learning how to live in my heart. Mm. My survival survival story patterns makes me fight first. You know, I I defend, I'm like a little school rat, like a yard, you know, like, and that's not where I wanna be in my space, space of life now. I really want, I really am living in love. And that's hard to do because it has to be living in love with yourself. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've been very mean to myself for 47 years. So it's a very new practice of being my own best lover. And then that doesn't just mean sex, you know? I, it, and I think everyone should definitely have sex themselves. But I, I mean, it's just like slowing down and when you pass a mirror, instead of that judgment, it's looking in your own eyes. Mm-hmm. So I'm in real deep practice of, of falling in and being in and, and, and staying in love with myself for the next at least 50.
0: I love it. I love it. Grace, thank you so much. Thank
1: you. This is very fun. I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> that was a really fun, interesting conversation for me. And I found every now and then that I, I didn't want to believe that joy and pleasure and some of the suggestions that Grace were making would really work, which is kind of hysterical since I have preached a lot of the same things my own resistance to what would it be like to let more joy and pleasure into my life. Next week, we have one of my favorite people and such an incredible influence on my body of work. And that's Kristen Neff. She has done the most groundbreaking and extensive research into self-compassion. And as far as, I, as, far as I'm concerned, you cannot create anything in a sustainable, healthy way without a lot of skills and self-compassion. So we're going to hear about her creative life and her new book. So that's next week. In the meantime, have you given me a review? Have you come over to JenniferLoudon.com, subscribed for the newsletter, and gotten your free first chapter of my latest book, Why Bother? I hope so. I want to support you as much as I can to what? Create out loud. Thanks. See you next week.